This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And I think the last time we talked about Zupan's Court, we talked about their soup. Yes. Oh, yeah. Soups are great mm-hmm. there. And uh, they have an African cauliflower and they have some, yeah, just. Occasionally the chowder in there. I was I was at Zupan's yesterday in Lake Grove and uh, we always hit the salad bar when we're there. Yeah. And then my I lost my 11-year-old. I look over and she's over there sampling all the soups. Yeah. It's some the, sort of minestrone. Yeah. They're great. Yep. And so you can either buy them hot there or they even have them in just the. Over in the, uh, the... Yeah, they're already sealed up, ready to go. They're sealed up and ready to go. Yep. So it's a little neater operation to do that. Mm-hmm. But this week, uh, February 22nd to the 24th, just spend 20 bucks, which you can do pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, fr- uh, free 24-ounce soup from Zupans. So when you subscribe to the news feed, this is what we're always okay. saying. You're going to get great stuff. Yeah. Plus, nothing goes better with soup than bread. And the bread selection at Zupan's can't be beat. Yeah, you know, so they have bread from Ken's, mm-hmm. right? Well known far and wide as great, great bread and baguettes. Pearl Bakery, um, Saint Honoré, Grand Central. Yep. And so you get there's a lot of variety there, and also New Cascadia if you're gluten free. So great, great bread there. I can't wait to go there today because I was just at Portland Knife House. Yeah. And got, got a new this knife. Got a new bread knife. bread knife. I've spent I spent money on more double the money on the that knife than I've ever spent on a whole set of knives. Right. So I can't wait to just slice into one of those. Well, it makes so sense. You get the new bread knife. You need to go to Zupan's and get a whole bunch of bread. Yeah. There you How go. do you think that would could do in terms of cake? Because you know Zupan's has cake too. Uh they have great cakes. Who they, t- they take the cake when it comes to cakes. Yeah, you got uh, Papa Hayden. They've got their cakes there. Marcy Baking Company. The Portland. They also have Portland style cheesecake and dessert company. And uh, Jakiva's Bakery. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. Jakiva. J a c i v a. The way I want to say it. But if it's there, it's great. Yeah. Because if you walk past that pastry counter mm-hmm. at oh. Zupans, the cakes are awesome. And yeah. by the way. You don't need, it's convenient. Papa Hyden, I used to go, we used to go there for dessert all the time. Yeah. Across town, now you can just bring it home. Yep. Uh, three locations, one on Burnside Lake Grove, the one I was just talking about, and of course, McAdam, and then always, zoopans.com. All right, here we go. It is time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork. And here's our host, Chris Angeles. And there's our other host, Court Johnson. Yeah. How you how you doing, Court? We're, uh, we're doing this remotely today. We, we are doing this remotely. I'm, I'm doing all right, and I'm actually thinking about me hanging out in Hawaii next week. That's the... the oh, is that where you're going? That's where I'm going. Wow. Can I tag along? I've never been to Hawaii before. You're, you're stopping by Hawaii, though, aren't you, on your way out to Australia? No, I'm, I got a direct flight oh. from San Francisco. Oh. So, um, so, no, no Hawaii this time. That was kind of the original plan, but instead, uh, after we do our our trip with Nolan from Proud Mary to Melbourne, a few of us are going to Tasmania at, oh. no, at Nolan's suggestion. So... Uh, that's where I'm going to spend the time that I was going to spend in Hawaii. So listen, you go have a good time on my behalf. I will. I'll take lots of pictures and eat lots of, uh, I think it's called the Loco Moco or the Moco Loco. You familiar with that? 
No. It's the Hawaiian like plate dish that's like rice and hamburger and eggs and I think there's cheese and gravy involved. Good. I think I think you'll probably eat some other things too. Oh, I'm so, sure. Uh, I'm sure I will. Right. So go ahead. That sounds great. So your whole family's going and. Uh, yeah. And then when you come back, you'll be listening to International Women's Month on the podcast. That's right. This is a, a, a I, it was an idea we actually, uh, well, I shouldn't take any credit for this. You came up with this idea a year ago, Chris, saying, hey, next year in March, because it's International Women's Day happening in March, we should do an entire month dedicated to women interviewing women. Right. And, I, you know, we, we're always dedicated to women, but in this case... I'm relinquishing my seat like a real gentleman yeah. to four, four women who will sit in the host seat and they're interviewing four other women. Yeah. So we've already, we've actually already recorded what Brooke from Eater yep. was interviewing Maya mm-hmm. Lovelace of Yonder and May. And then just this week, right? Lisa Schroeder. That's right. With, uh, Laura Wolf. And I wasn't there for that one. How was that podcast? I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Lisa and Lori Wolf. I mean, both interviews, both Lisa and Brooke, are really, really good. Like I was, good. I was in, like engaged the entire time. So I think it's definitely something to look forward to. And, and they talk, they talk broadly, and they also talk very specifically about women's issues in the culinary world. That is fantastic, and of course, Lori Wolf uh, has a, cannab- a cannabis edibles business, and exactly. she's known as the Martha Stewart of cannabis edibles. So that was Lisa's choice, and um, I had met. Lori earlier, and I'm so glad she was on the podcast. And now that you've teased it a little bit, I'm really looking forward to both of them. Uh, it's going to be great. I haven't heard them both. Get me out of the studio, and the quality of the podcast will skyrocket. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, Chris. But they, but they were both really great. And I'm, I'm the other two that we haven't yet to record are going to be just as great. Right. So, and we, I believe, if all goes as planned, because. As you can attest to, all hasn't gone necessarily as planned so far, just in terms of timing. Yeah. But as it all goes as planned, we have uh, Molly Real from uh, More Good Day, Oregon, interviewing Whitney Burnside. Doug, and she was just in with Dougie. Got to listen to that podcast if you haven't heard it yet. Right. Back to back, Dougie and Gregory Gorday. I didn't even realize that. That's the uh, that's a top chef. Yeah. Back to back superstar lineup and um and then we also will have cassidy quinn from channel eight she's got one coming up that's right uh that's what's happening in all of march so but right now we're in february and we have as i just mentioned gregory gorday uh on the podcast it is his second appearance three years between appearances and he was so gracious you know how busy he is. He was so gracious to take the time and come in. I wrote him when I read the Brook, the the Brooks, the article that Karen Brooks had written um, in Portland Monthly about chefs going sober and sobriety, and uh, I thought that was an interesting topic. And I thought Karen did a great job uh, covering it. Of course, she spoke to mostly chefs that people would know. So you go reference that article. I'm not going to talk about it in detail. But I wanted to talk to Gregory because here's a guy who had hit bottom, you know, doing a lot of cocaine and drinking and um, 
in New York City, living the club scene. And now I think he is one of the most driven, successful chefs we have in Portland. And, uh, and he is one of the gentlemen who is going to a newly formed group of people in the industry. And, you know, there are a lot of people who drink in the, in the food world everywhere. And uh, he's one of, the, one of the people attending meetings at ben, Ben's Friends. Uh, and what we didn't find out is where that is, but uh, we'll find out where that's going to be and post a link to it as well. But um, I'm sure anybody who's motivated to find it can, uh, can find it as well. So um, he was very forthright, and, uh, and we get into a little bit of his love life as well, mm-hmm. which, is, which was uh, surprising. I kind of put him on the spot, and he blushed. Yeah, he did. And uh, it was kind of interesting to hear that. So, uh, but, you know, he, with Gregory, he, he is very sure about what he's going to talk about. And, um, and I, really, I really enjoyed the interview. I thought it was a good one. I think of it as kind of a, a two-parter because if you think back to the, the three years ago, Chris, when he sat down with us, it was episode 68, by the way. Um, he did get a little bit into his addictions and getting out of it, but he didn't go into the detail that he went to in this episode. So it's almost, you know, maybe do a refresher by listening to that one or listen to it afterward um, just to kind of get the full context of, of Gregory's story. I'm saying, what number is this one, by the way? This one's going to be, oh man, now, now you're really putting me on the spot. I think we're like <laughs> at 170, 178. I'm, I'm pulling it up right here. Uh, one eight, right. this will be 190. 190. 190. Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, I'd say go, go back to 189 and go right back to 86 where Gregory's last. Listen to all of them right through. And, there you go. You know, that's not just the number of podcasts we've had because that's just the interviews. Right. We have had a lot of... Uh, sound bites. Uh, sound bites in between. Yep. So uh, six years, man. High mm-hmm. five to you. There we go. I'm doing it back. Right. And by the way, I also want to mention the International Women's Month, the uh, Aton, who's also a subject of a podcast, an interviewee. Mm-hmm. Um, he stepped up from Portland Knife House to sponsor International Women's Month. And man, I actually got a taste of some of his knives and I took home a um, I took home a bread knife, yeah. which I never thought I would do. And I asked him, how is this going to change my bread uh, slicing activities in life. Yeah, he said, "Just just use it, and you'll find out. It's beautifully heavy, and it cuts right through any loaf. Oh wow! Without any, and uh, you know, who needs the effort on their arm? Sure. When the knife will do the work, and you but still have so all your fingers. And, yes, so far. Yeah, it's so pretty and beautiful. Anyway, it was great to get a knife there, and you know, that have you been in there? By the way, you need to go. In. I have. I have not been in there, but um, I you know I know that they carry the Finex." Uh, you know the the cast iron cookware um which is just gorgeous right yes and, and um we got a couple of those yeah. too so um uh but his out over in southeast belmont he's got so many beautiful knives and they are they have the largest knife selection in portland and also they uh, sharpen they have a whole sharpening thing and then they do classes on sharpening as well so um anyway portland knife house thank you very much for sponsoring international women's month coming up and we're really excited about that as well as being excited about this interview with gregory gorday right now right at the fork is proud to be supported by 
Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupan's on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupan's.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. And by Portland Food Adventures. Inviting you to listen to Right at the Fork, episode number 170 with Proud Mary Coffee's Nolan Hurdy. Then imagine yourself eating and sipping your way through Melbourne, Australia this April for nine incredible days of VIP treatment at Nolan's favorite places in Proud Mary's home city. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact Right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more information and extra savings on these PFA food journeys. No one likes paperwork. I hate it. Especially after four days of Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. How was your Valentine's Day? Was, We're recording, by the way. That's fine. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> it's fine. Um, it was very intense because it's been obviously quiet around town because of the fake snow and the weather. And then, right. And then Valentine's weekend was just insane for four days in a row. Wow. So... Um, we noticed that too. We were out to, we were running around town Saturday and Sunday. Saturday could not get in anywhere. So everybody kind of forewent Thursday. Does it always be continue for the whole weekend? I didn't know that. Like, yeah, because sometimes, well, Thursday was extremely busy. Friday was okay. And then Saturday was extremely busy. And then yesterday was pretty busy too. Because we're always busy when there's a holiday. Right. Like, because today's obviously a holiday. So that's like the double whammy. It's like the the last of the left over the Valentine's Day. It's and today, Monday, it was President's it, Day. It was yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday. It's the right. stragglers, right? The stra- the yeah, the the ones who won't get the award. For be- <laughs> but it's not almost. It's almost preferred other, yeah, other than everybody as, slamming as, the place. Not on. as busy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but just in terms of a, sta- a statement on the yeah. the people who make the plans. It's also easier to get a babysitter on a Sunday night than a Thursday night, maybe. That's Valentine's true. Day. But but you're sacrificing. I don't even remember anymore. I don't pay much attention. And it doesn't matter. Everything's on demand now. But Sunday used to be the good TV night. I never want to do <laughs> I never want to do events on, on Sundays. So um so Wait a minute, hold on. You would you would not go out on dates because Sunday was TV oh, I didn't night. Talk about a date. No, no, no. Food events. Okay, I got you. Getting okay. getting people out of the house on a Sunday night okay. wasn't my It was for other challenge. people, not you. <clears throat> right. Okay. No, they, yeah. Just wanted to be clear on that. I didn't, now, now my whole thing is not driven by the calendar, it's driven by geography. Yeah, yeah. So, whether I do something or not. So, um, so speaking of Valentine's, do you have a Valentine? I've never, you know, I know a little bit about you, but like, do you? (laughs) (laughs) I do. You do? I do. So, did you go out, you didn't get to go out for Valentine's Uh, Day? We went out on Tuesday. Oh, good. Where'd you go? Went to departure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Is that because you get a deal or you're just a cheap ass? Uh, or a- <laughs> well, we, st- we recently started dating after a long back and forth of a few years. 
Not and local? No, local. Okay. Yeah. It's a very complicated story. Yeah. Um, but I don't uh, want to put you on the spot to no, tell it's, it. I it's, just... it's totally fine. Um, no, but well, Departure is like my family. So right. obviously I've been there forever. So it's like a big deal for me to take someone there because I never take dates there ever, ever, ever because it's just a lot. It's a right. lot of attention. It's, it's just a lot. Right. So, well, yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, friends with Craig at Ringside, okay. and when I've asked him to join me, like yeah, on my birthday, yeah, he's yeah, like, are you kidding yeah. me? I'm not going to do that. Yeah, so so, uh, so for me to take someone to departure on a date is like meeting my family, so it's it's a big step in a relationship. Well, you could do it, but you don't have to tell them that this is, this is the one, so. <laughs> yeah, but then there's like 60 people every day that are going to ask me about this person because... We have so many people that that we all work together. So right. it's like I wouldn't just bring anyone there. So like, that was a big move then. That it was, was a big your, move. That was your. It was a big move. <laughs> good. I've had that too. Where it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'll do this. Um, Jump right in. Well, congratulations. How long has that been going on? Um, we've been seeing each other for about eight weeks now, but we've known each other for about two and a half years on and off. And oh, good. So. so are, I don't again as I said I don't know are relationships a regular thing for you or no not so, at all I've been, so I haven't been in a relationship in oh, quite some time maybe like a couple of years oh well that's well I went more yeah, than that yeah so, I mean we he's re- recently divorced so it's it's a very complicated story yeah but well, things are good you know yeah there, what relationships don't have yeah. complications yeah. Uh, uh, very, very true so well, congratulations on that good you. luck thank you and you have a big beaming smile on your face I don't, he makes me happy about that so wait, wait a minute we, we always forget to get the shot that we're going to use for the thumbnail so um so yeah so the two of us man i got the woman who makes me happy right here too <laughs> so um so we're just two happy guys. We're just talking about <laughs> actually. So, but I wanted to talk about something a little a little deeper and um, not so. I mean, not so happy. But I think it is a happy thing, right? Fighting addiction, indeed, and getting on the good side of that. And you've been on the good side of it for quite some time now. Yeah, I'll be ten years drugs, alcohol, and cigarette free on March 30th. Congratulations. Thank you. That's fantastic. It is fantastic. So cigarettes too. Cigarettes too. So this guy that I know as, and you've chilled a little bit on the running, I understand. We'll talk about that. But as the healthiest man I've ever seen in my life, ever, (laughs) who could, you were doing those 100 mile runs. I was trying to. I've done a couple of 50 milers. I signed up for a 100 miler and then a storm came in and and they canceled the race. I think that was the universe speaking to you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I could have a hundred under my belt at this point now. Now I have to keep plugging away. Are you gonna? Are you gonna get yeah, there? Yes, it's, it's definitely. I am, I think I'm gonna go for it next year. Hopefully, if I can, because I started running again consistently. So, oh, you did? I did. I did. We had some time off in January. We closed a restaurant for three weeks for renovations, mm-hmm. um, and it was actually very, very nice to be on vacation and you know not get emails and not get called into work because the restaurant is physically closed. Yeah, I'll point so. out that you're, you know, first of all, thank you for coming of course. a little far into this, <laughs> but I really appreciate it because we know you're a really busy guy. It's all and good. It's my pleasure. we know, you know, you were a little late because you had inventory going on and then <laughs> the first five minutes of this interview were conducted while you were multitasking, <laughs> t- texting somebody. So I, appreciate, I, I don't have the ability to do that. So I, <laughs> you have to as a, as a chef. And as someone who's running as much as you're running, you have to be able to multitask. Yeah. Like that. Unfortunately, I feel like I can only do three things at a time. Only three? Yeah. So okay. I tend to focus on those things and everything else falls by the wayside. So 
it's a little you, challenging sometimes when you get them done, but I get them done. So let's go back to 10 years. Yes. Um, which is fantastic. So it's like the whole gamut of everything, right? You, you didn't have gambling in there though. No, no gambling. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you had, so you had drugs, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, alcohol, cigarettes. I mean, that's pretty much and it. And you were, you were, uh, you were heavy too, right? I was, yes, I was, I was definitely heavier. Heavier. If heavier. You weren't a big guy. So. No, I wasn't like you. What was your, what was your drug of choice? Drug of choice was cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, uh, I had a little nasty stint of free basing cocaine and like towards my end in New York City. I had uh, a very bad uh, alcohol, uh, you know, a lot of issues with alcohol. I lived in San Diego briefly and uh, there weren't a lot of drugs, but there was a lot of alcohol. So it's been a little bit across the board. And so when did you realize, well, do you remember the moment when, or the moments, the series of moments when you realized, man, I gotta, I gotta do something mm, about this. For me, it truly was, you know, looking back at my history, it, you know, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit, obviously, but you know, it was, just, it, was a, it was a seven year kind of stretch from, I remember the first time I, I woke up drunk late for work to the time I finally got sober and that spanned three states. Right. Um, and, and a lot of jobs, I would and imagine. a lot of jobs, and lost jobs, and lost jobs. Not honestly, not not too many jobs, but you know, like I've had my past job for nine years, so it was for my past. It's you know, probably went through like eight jobs during that those seven years. So, were you able to in the industry? Which you know, I want to talk about Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. and what Kitchen Confidential did to kind of make everything. Okay, for everybody. I mean, to- honestly, I mean, it, those were the times, you know, it was New York City, it was the turn of the century, you know, it was like the millennium, it was like the 2000s, you know, we worked hard, you know, we worked at, you know, like, you know, four-star restaurants, we worked off the clock for hours, it was a high-pressure situation, we weren't given a lot of direction, we didn't talk about our feelings, um, and we just knew we had a hard job to do. So we worked hard and then we party hard. And, and obviously if you're, if you're in New York city and you're used to kind of having everything at your fingertips, um, life is pretty fun, you know, and especially in the city that never sleeps, you know, bars are open till 4am. Uh, everything else is open 24 hours a day. You know, I'm a huge club kid. I love electronic music. I love going to clubs. Um, so we would, you know, go to the bar till 4am and then I would go to the clubbing you know, to literally like probably 6 p.m. the next day if I had the day off. Um, there's always after hours in New York, you know. So it, it was a ride. It was, it was nonstop. It was nonstop for sure. So then what time generally were you showing up to work and were you, were you? I mean, there was, I mean, obviously there's a long period of time where I would just show up to work extremely hungover, you know, and then there was a period of time where I would just show up to work late, you know, like two hours late, three hours late. Um, you know, and then it all just came kind of crashing down. Um, and I finally, you know, was working for some friends. Uh, the last restaurant I worked at in New York was Mercat, which was a Catalan restaurant. And uh, a bunch of friends and I kind of opened that restaurant. And it was just really fun. It was really cool to actually learn. And Spanish by the food. way, the Catalan culture is yeah. to be out. Absolutely. You not start till 1 yeah, a.m. You know, we I mean, were drinking, we were drinking better ones on the line, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, drinking like Vino Verde online and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that all kind of kind of came crashing down, and I and I entered rehab, and I was in outpatient rehab in New York City. Uh, but I got a call to move to San Diego for a 
to help some friends with their restaurant out there who we worked together at John George as well. So midway through rehab before really kind of understanding anything, really understanding my disease or really coming to terms with anything, I moved to San Diego and went into a downward spiral of drinking uh, um, alcoholically, you know, um, got into a very bad car accident, um, got arrested a couple of times, um, that, you know, anybody who now knows you in Portland, you know, and has gotten yeah, it, yeah. they would not believe that yeah. side of you. Yeah, there's, actually, well, I actually moved here and I, 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 I did that thing for another like eight months before I actually got sober. So you got sober so here there's in, actually, in this city. Yeah, I actually, I got, that's why Portland's so important to me because I actually got sober here. And there's actually a very medium sized handful of people who actually know me from back in the day. And uh, when I used to drink and party and used to hang out downtown. Um, but, you know, um, I worked at Saucebox actually um, when I moved here. I walked into Saucebox and upon my first day, uh, my sous chef was sober and he was a sous chef that was actually working there. And he's like, hey, I've, you know, I haven't drank in two years. And I really do believe it was an act of God for me to meet this person because it was the first person that I'd ever met that was sober that hadn't drank for two years. And he had a circle of, of chef friends who were sober. And I would, you know, I would hang out with them because, you know, they were fun and interesting. And I, I just felt attracted to them. Um, but then as soon as we were done, I would go straight to the bar. And, you know, after a few months of uh, a pretty decent relapse onto drugs, uh, I, you know, just decided it was time. You know, I was, you know, they're turning 32. I was looking around and all my friends were buying houses and having children. And, and I was, you know, just like partying with like young kids and, you know, falling off my bike, you know? So it wasn't a very hard decision because I felt like I thought about it for so long. And, you know, it was about two years since I'd been to rehab um, that I finally, you know, was like, hey, take me to AA. And, and you had a support system to do, yeah, to do that. You know, I, I already had a support system. So, so do, you, do you care to mention that person just because as, to you know, honor what they did in yeah, your life. I it's mean, okay. It's personal, so you don't. No, have it's to. fine. I mean, the name of the kid is Tommy Branson. He's not sober anymore, <laughs> which is what happens. Oh. Um, but you know, my friend Andrew Garrett, who uh, does uh, Northwest Elixirs, um, he's still sober. He was like one person, definitely that inspired me to get sober. Um, we're still really good friends today. <laughs> so, so it's been good, you know. So I don't know some of the work that I'm doing with Gabe right now. Gabriel Rucker. Yeah. Le Pigeon and yeah. Canard. He's and five Little years Bird. sober. So we started a chapter of Ben's Friends, um, which is a support group for uh, industry folk and recovery. So it's been extremely helpful. It's not Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, the structure is very different. It's truly just a meeting. It's truly just a safe space for people who are in the industry, bartenders, chefs, servers, um, people who are retired from the industry, um, a place for us all to get together and just talk about, you know, what we're going through. And obviously, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous worked for me quite well. Um, it worked for Gabe as well. It works for a lot of people. So, you know, some people are, you know, kind of curious about AA or scared about AA or, you know, maybe religion scares them. Um, but, you know, the meeting itself is just a safe place for us to talk. And if they're looking for a true resource, we can kind of guide them to a if that's what they want but it definitely works 
Are there, um, and so this didn't start long ago. No, we're actually just, our third meeting will be uh, next Tuesday. Um, so we're about two meetings in. Um, you know, our first meeting we had about maybe like 17 people. Our second meeting we had about 25 people. Um, so it's pretty powerful to see, you know, how many people in town, you know, are struggling, are in recovery um, within our industry. Obviously, this is Portland. We're a huge food town, so um, it's important, you know, and it's cool that we're getting together and, and we're able to talk about these things, you know. Um, you know, a lot of people have identity issues, you know, especially if you've been a sommelier your whole life or you've been like the wine director, you know, for a company your whole life and you realize you have a problem with alcohol, you know, like, you know, we talked about identity at our last meeting and like what that looks like, you know, so some really good things are happening there. It's really great. I was surprised to see um, Eric at Shipwreck and now Eam Indeed. Indeed. that he's sober and yeah. he's able to be one of the best bartenders yeah. in town. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's yeah. incredible. But I also note that you know, I know Gabriel a little bit, and I've known him for 10 years. I've known you for a while. Mm -hmm. It seems to me to be a maturation. So you have a lot of chefs who've been around a while. So I had the fun fortune, I'll say, to hang around back in the late 70s and mm -hmm. 80s with Van Halen. Mm -hmm. oh, My wow. brother was their nice. creative director. Oh, wow. And so um, I, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, the the stories I have and the experiences I had when those guys were all in their 20s. Yeah. Um, and the way they, you know, it was what everybody thinks it was, yeah, and it, yeah. if not more. But then when Valerie Bertinelli came into the scene mm. and Eddie got married and then everybody started having kids, the whole thing changed. Yeah. It was no yeah. longer yeah. about the partying. It yeah. was trying, to, <laughs> to, try yeah. to actually manage life. Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine that's one of the reasons that in this Portland food world, it really started blossoming, mm. let's say, tw 14 years, 12, around... You know, oh five, oh six, oh seven, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I would imagine this is a natural progression. Yeah, I mean, I mean unfortunately, look like at, look at Gabriel, man. Yeah. He's got he's got kids. He couldn't continue to, to no, live the way not. he was. Of course not. You know, but I feel like unfortunately, like this happens like after you, you kind of lose a few things, or you know, you don't get sober like on the cusp of happiness. you know happiness or on the cusp of success. You know, like right. you kind of like see some things crumbling around you a little bit, and then you decide to get sober. And some people don't see those things yeah. dropping around, yeah. right? They never do. Yeah. Pausing a moment here, Chris, to talk about Ringside Steakhouse. Great pause. If you're going to pause, you're going to talk about something. Right. Ringside Steakhouse, which has been around for 75 years. Mm -hmm. This is their 75th year. Stay tuned, by the way. I believe they're going to be doing some pretty special events with... Uh, Oh, I'm not going to say that. I, I don't know if other people are supposed to know. But <laughs> the ringside, what a tease. Yeah, what a tease. So, but stay tuned because Ringside's in their 75th year in the Peterson family. No. Just incredible. If there's a special occasion coming up, or even if there's not a special occasion, maybe you just want maybe the best happy hour in Portland, Ringside is the place to go. It's great. Site, but, you know, you could just be having a Monday night. You can turn it into a oh, special man. occasion. Prime Rib Monday going night. Over there. Yeah, That's what prime, So Prime Rib Monday is 35 bucks, right? Prime Rib yeah. and an appetizer. and you get the uh, mixed greens. Gruelet. Yeah, mixed greens. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then um, always they have the three-course supper. Oh. That if it's before six, it's less expensive than after six. I took my, I took, uh, my family and some family from out of town on Saturday night, and all of us did the three course, and it was it was just unbelievable. And we did the seafood platter as on our appetizer. Oh, man. That? It, 
it was probably more food than we needed, so we had a lot of great take-home. But, it, oh man, it was good, great from beginning to end. And when it's available, don't pass up the lobster mashed potatoes. Oh yeah, that's right. Thanks for mentioning that. because yeah. oh, yeah. Those are fantastic. Onion soup is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You're, and by the way, have you ever left ringside without a dog, without a box to take never. home? No, never. Yeah, it's, so it's unbelievable. And it's always nice to revisit that delicious steak the next day mm-hmm. or anything. The mashed potatoes, yeah, fantastic. They make it super easy to uh, make reservations. You can do it through their website, ringsidesteakhouse.com. Also through the Open Table because that's who they use. I use my Open Table app, mm-hmm. setting up those reservations. But uh, if you got plans, make them right now for Ringside Steakhouse. What what do you think? Is there something? Is there a common thread with the people that you know that are sober? Because here's I look at you and I just and you know I could be wrong, but you know you've been you've been on television, so there's Gregory, <laughs> uh, you know up and not even an allegory, but you're up at the top of departure, you know the highest spot, front of the <laughs> most beautiful restaurant, um, and. You've done some incredible things. So, do you, you think that what was, what, what drove you to go so low is also yeah? I now mean, that you've turned around, it's helping yeah, you to go I so mean, high. There's definitely something to be said about having an addictive personality, and how when you take that energy and you you redirect it into positive things, like anything is possible. You know, all my you know, I guess when I got sober. I started running. I used to run at night. I used to leave sauce box and I, I trained for a bunch of marathons. And that's because I was like all the energy that I would spend like drinking and doing drugs and hanging out with like a bunch of kids, you know, like all through downtown. Like I, I couldn't do that anymore. So like I would just start running, you know, and, and I had all that energy, you know, like I still didn't need a lot of sleep because I'm just like used to not sleeping much. And, you know, you just kind of start doing all these other things, you know, alcoholically, you know, like literally. You know, like you obsess over, you know, fitness and diet and, you know, accomplishing all these goals, you know, that's not everyone by any means. But, you know, I think if you're maybe in this industry, you know, you're extremely passionate about a lot of different things um, that coupled with an addictive personality um, and determination, because you definitely have to determine to be an alcoholic or a drug addict, you know. So if you take away all the bad stuff and you place with good stuff, you know, a lot of things are impossible, like not like you can do anything. That's what I mean. Um, when you, when you first went sober, did you, were you able to see how high you could go or you learned it over time? Um, because, so if I had said when you were uh, mentioned you were at Saucebox, Hey, Mm -hmm. by the way, cause someone can do this with me, not Mm -hmm. necessarily from an addictive standpoint, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. where life can take you, Mm -hmm. you're going to be, uh, you know, I met you when you first started at departure, I think, but you're going to be at departure for X number of years, then you're going to open a second departure <laughs> in Denver, and then you're going to be on TV and take that almost to the hilt. I mean, I view as a, you know, you get down to the top two, that's yeah. just a judgment call. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, would I, you, I, could you foresee that no, you had this in, uh, no, or, or could your mom I mean, foresee I, I think, that? I, I think I was just like working on myself, you know, I think I'm still just working on myself, you know, like obviously I'm a very goal-driven person. I have aspirations and I have things that I desire, but I also know that um, I've learned that, you know, life owes me nothing. Um, and that's a lesson I hold very close to myself that everything could be like way worse and I should not feel like I deserve anything. 
And if I want something, I need to work for it. And sometimes things might happen and sometimes things might never happen. And that's just the attitude that I have walking into every day. So I knew that when I got sober, I had a lot of work to do on myself. That's why I focused on myself. I focused on, you know, making amends with the people I hurt over the years, you know, throughout the country, past employers, family, friends, um, made sure I repaired those relationships. Um, I made sure that I, you know, got my health back in check, you know, after smoking cigarettes for 15 years, I was very concerned about having lung cancer. So, you know, I went on this physical fitness thing and tried to be as healthy as possible. Um, I, I tried to, you know, learn about Portland culture to, you know, get a better pulse on, you know, the town and, you know, working with farmers and purveyors and working with other chefs and being part of the community, you know, all these things to just make myself a better person um, and make me a happier person. Um, and those are still really simple things that I still do today. Um, but it's, uh, I would imagine it's a little challenging to do. Your days are full. Yeah. So how much time <laughs> do you actually get to think about, um, goals and and being a better person yeah, every day I mean, the, you know there's yeah, a, in yeah. the, you're in the kitchen a it's lot of true. shit happens fast it's and true. you can't sit there and go oh, no, oh man i didn't say that the right way i don't know if that was no i mean like yeah i mean like I, like honestly like i'm an introvert you know like and that's another piece of it so i have a lot of people that i have to manage and you know i i want to be fair and want to be open to everyone as much as possible but at the end of the day i do have to work a lot and i have to make some hard decisions and i'm not happy all the time but you know, at the back of my head, I know I'm extremely grateful for everything I have, and I can I cannot complain. So, so and what role did your? Uh, I know you're close to your mom, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. What role did your mom play in your success? Um, you know, helping you to get out of out of the out of the yeah, dumps. Um, I think my parents have just been always supportive. I think I think we're just really different because. Sorry, I didn't reference your father. I just yeah, seen it's yeah. I just heard yeah, a lot yeah. about your cooking influence yes your mom, my mom's so. been around with us she's she's cooked with us quite a bit because right. we started doing a lot of haitian food but uh i think the biggest thing is that we're just extremely different people in the way that we grew up i grew up in new york city you know they grew up in haiti you know my father grew up with like no running water and electricity um so we just grew up very very different but at the same time um so they didn't really understand a lot of things that i went through you know like you know like in piercings and starting to do drugs and like going to raves like it's just nothing that they've ever experienced before because they just grew up in in haiti and is very very different um so i mean outside of that they've always been extremely supportive of everything i've ever done um even if they didn't understand it they've been extremely supportive like when i told them i had to go to rehab they're extremely supportive you know every time i moved across the country or went to a different state they were you know understanding and supportive um, I mean, I think the biggest piece is when I told them I want to go to culinary school, like they're like 100% in, you know, this is after like going to college for like already like five years and like going to like two schools. So, and what were you studying before you went to uh, I, I started at pre-med at NYU for one year and then I moved to university of Montana and did wildlife biology. And then I realized I wanted to cook and I tried to get out of college and they insisted I had to get a degree. So I ended up getting a French degree. So like three majors, five years of college, and then I finally went to culinary school. So like all in like seven years of college. And did any, did, were you able to take a little bit from all those um, majors? Yeah, I mean, I definitely. I mean, you cooked you, French food too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, well, they both work in hospitals. So I think that was like the kind of like the pre-med route, but I think I'm just far more of a creative. 
Um, and like the wildlife biology, you know, I think conservation and, um, you know, just those issues are still really important to me, sustainability. Um, so that's still a part of me. Um, that's actually a big part of me. Um, that may have influenced you to move from New York City or San Diego to Portland, Oregon? Yeah, well, actually, so a little bit of background on me. Like, I actually, so like growing up in Queens, I actually went to board. Are you a Met fan by any chance? I am a Mets fan. All right. Mets we, I didn't know Mets that. Jets. We have that in common. <laughs> Mets Jets. We just talked about that. We have that in common. So you know, when I was, uh, I'm way older than you are, but I got, I was um, at the game, game five of 69 World Series. Oh, wow. Mets oh, wow. Won. And then we had season tickets to the Jets. So, and I had the fortune to know Joe, walk with Joe Namath for four hours and talk to him. Oh, damn. So yeah. that's pretty cool. So you, <laughs> it's nice, you know, here in Portland, I don't find people that might appreciate that's that true, it's true. very much. So you might, but you're too young to even necessarily appreciate I'm not that, that young. <laughs> well, yeah, but you weren't around to yeah. you watch yeah. the Mets win. Yeah, that, so that, that, I'm not, yeah. That much I know. I'm not that old. So, um, um, so I actually went to boarding school in Delaware. Um, I went to a very small so I'm curious, we'll keep going on that, yeah. but so your parents grew up with no running water. Well, right? my father. Your father. Yeah. No running water in Haiti. Yeah. And now, you know, you we have aspirations to be pre-med, you're going to boarding school in yeah. Delaware. Yeah. What? My parents, they came to America and they just started working hard. Right. So what you did know, they do? They went to school. Uh, so my mother was a microbiology lab supervisor at a hospital in Brooklyn and mm -hmm. she also taught microbiology at City College. My father was a chemistry lab supervisor in hospitals throughout Brooklyn and the Bronx. Um, and then he did real estate as well. So like they always had two jobs. Right. But they, you, so they provided the role models yes, for you to, yes, to yes, aspire like to be pre-med and, exactly, and a top exactly, chef. Yeah, so. yeah. So then, you know, like our neighborhood, it wasn't a bad neighborhood by any means, but you know, they didn't want to send me to public school where we grew up. So it was either like private school in the city or boarding school. And luckily there was a program called Prep for Prep, um, which helped, you know, minorities um, get into uh, boarding schools up and down the, through the East Coast and help with financial aid. Um, so through that, I was able to go to St. Andrews, which is a small boarding school in Delaware, 250 kids. And that, did that contribute to your future or at the time drug problem because um, all the kids who went to boarding schools man, 100%. when I grew up <laughs> yeah. we, had, we had one thing in public school yeah. which was which was heavy enough yeah. but the kids who went to boarding yeah. school man they were yeah. the dealers so if you ever seen Dead Poet Society that was filmed at my high school oh okay so I, I grew up in a very uh, my neighborhood was 100% black um, both African American and Haitian American um, and Caribbean American. Um, so I honestly, like high school was the first time I was surrounded by like different types of white people from all across the country. Um, and just exposed to like anything like that by any means and, and wealth. Um, it was a wonderful experience. You know, it was not a snobby school by any means. Like all my friends from high school are still my best friends. Um, but I think that is really what kind of inspired me to want to leave New York because all of my other friends from New York City have never ever left New York City and they never will, <laughs> you know. Um, but being that I left starting at the age of like 14 and I lived other places, I lived somewhere quiet, it was, you know, on a pond, there's like great blue herons flying around, you know, it was like really awesome. So that's what kind of inspired me to want to seek living other places like Missoula, Montana and Portland, Oregon, you know, because if so not... your friends haven't said... 
haven't been a little jealous of your Instagram posts of where you were. <laughs> no, I, when I moved away from Connecticut, there were some yeah. friends who absolutely said, well, if you could do that, I'm doing yeah. it too. Yeah, so they today, I mean, yeah, tons of people are like, yeah, that's awesome. But like, they, they're not leaving New York. <laughs> like, New Yorkers don't leave New York. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess there's no place like it. So yeah. if, you're, yeah. if you're addicted to that, then yeah. you're going to stay. Yeah. So um, currently, right, you've started uh, Ben's Friends. Mm -hmm. Um, are there any people there that have surprised you that you didn't know and have been inspired necessarily by Ben's friends? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it's honestly, it's, it's very surprising. It's, it's really like a who's who of the industry and, you know, and I noticed in the, by the way, we were, I learned about this through the article mm -hmm. in Portland Monthly, yeah. that Karen Brooks yeah. wrote, which was a really well-written article. It was an amazing article. There was a couple of people there that I was. I knew, you know, I knew about Gabriel, and yeah. I watched that transition. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah, he's been I didn't very necessarily know you, you could guess it about Tommy Habits. Yeah, Tommy. Um, but I didn't really know that, you know, he he would be there. Yeah. And so yeah, that's he's been, been interesting, and yeah. mostly marijuana, which people nowadays, now all of a sudden that that's legal, that's a whole, maybe people don't look at it the same way as they did before. I don't know. I feel, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of discussion around marijuana for me it's not smoking marijuana as a part of my sobriety um some people smoke marijuana but i don't know i feel like it's been you know getting legalized for so long and it's been um accepted as something that's okay for so long and it's it's been beneficial for a lot of people a lot of people like have anxiety and like have depression and have suicidal thoughts and marijuana helps them quite a bit um but that also can lead to a dependency, maybe in the opposite direction. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, marijuana is not for me. I know a lot of people who don't drink alcohol um, who use marijuana and, and it helps them quite a bit. Um, but then there's also a lot of people who have just smoked for so long that they realize that they are addicted to marijuana and, and they're seeking clarity from that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's clarity in giving it up. Yeah. I had done yeah. it yeah. years ago. So uh, you start yeah. thinking I was a never differently. Big, Weed smoker. Not your, not your no, thing. Not my thing. So what is, we don't have much, much time left. What are your, what do you aspire to? What are your goals? What are the things you want to accomplish in the next five Me? or 10 years? Um, well, I'm actually, I have a cookbook proposal um, about to come out. Um, it's a health book, actually. Um, so um, more to come on that, but I am working on a health cookbook. Um, I think, you know, health is something that's really important to me. Um, I don't know. I, f I feel like I just want to connect with the community even more in a lot of different ways. I've been working with Congressman Blumenauer on some food policy things. Um, we worked together last year on an event called Roots, which we did with a bunch of chefs in town. It was really, really amazing. We had 320 guests. We had 13 chefs um, plus five more at the reception. So it was like a huge gala that we did. And we raised money for James River Foundation impact programs and also the Farmer's Market Fund, um, which gives money to people on SNAP um, at local farmer's markets throughout Oregon. Um, I'm currently on the board at Urban Gleaners, um, so that is really fantastic as well. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know, I want to do more with hunger in Oregon. I want to do more with sustainability in Oregon. Are you involved with Colorado in the same way that you're involved with Oregon? Yes, with, with uh, I've, seen, I've seen not as much because I'm, I'm mostly here, but yeah, I mean, I think Colorado... Um, Colorado has a slow food festival, which is really fantastic, and there's a lot of good sustainability that's happening out there as well. And what's the big difference between, if you can pinpoint it, 
living in Colorado or the industry in Colorado mm -hmm. and Oregon? Um, I think we have more growing season. Uh, I think we have kind of a little bit of a closer community, I think, in town here. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely think, you know, our food scene, you know, is a little bit more open. I think there's definitely something developing in Denver um, slash Colorado. Um, but I think uh, we, we truly have a global kind of take on cuisine. I mean, in Portland, you can get great Russian food, you can get great Thai food, you can get great Japanese food, you can get great African food, you can get great Haitian food. Um, I don't think that Denver is there just yet. You know, there's a lot of great American food there. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I mean, you can say all those things become American food at a certain point, but right. you know, it's, there's definitely like a glow. I, I, the people also often say that, you know, Portland's a very white town, but I think if you truly look within our food culture here, um, you'll see quite a bit of culture and um, ethnicities represented in the food that we have. And I think, um, I, I think, I think it's a worldly city. People yeah, like to travel yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the most diversity that we, we see in town is, is found in our restaurants, which yeah. is, which is awesome. Bodies it. Yeah. So, and you're, uh, what, one of the things that's changing in our industry or in the industry is, I mean, with all the hotels mm -hmm. coming up. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, if you look no. at how many new, new rooms are coming in, you're well positioned. Yeah. You're at the top of one of the <laughs> finest hotels yeah. in Portland. There's, there's, there's a lot, you know, it's weird because I get, I just, I literally just wake up and go to work for so many, for so long, for like months at a time. So like it's, it's sometimes I've, I've been running a lot and I've been running through all these, all the neighborhoods and around town and like the concept of like new Portland, it's like, it's very much so a thing. Like I, I look outside my window, there's like three cranes, you know, like I run through any neighborhood. There's like I counted, so much development. I counted 18 just being able to look yeah, and drive yeah, up by five the other day. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at this point there's no fighting it. It's just, you know. But you're in a good, so do you feel like you're really well positioned because now, you know, you've got Dougie and, um, uh, at Bullard and a lot of people are opening hotel restaurants and Vitaly, he's found that's his thing, yeah, that's his Vitaly thing. Paley. Um, and you've been, you know, at departure for a while. Yeah. So I mean, we're lucky departure. We're, we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year. So we're pretty excited about that. We've served 1.4 million people since we've opened. Nice. So that's quite a, quite an impressive number. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously we still have a lot of work to do, you know, it's a very competitive town and I don't mean like, you know, pushing people out the way, but you know, there's, there's just a lot of amazing people in, in business right now and they're all my friends and obviously I want tremendous success for Doug and, you know, Vito is a mentor of mine. I want tremendous success for him. I feel there's room for everyone in town and, um, I think it's great. You know, everyone is successful and creating good food and pushing themselves to create something for their guests. I think it's I think it's great. You it's know? One, one of the things that impressed me from the get go is how everybody mm -hmm. gets along here and supports yeah, one course, another. It's what course. makes it really unique. Yeah, this is a strange question, and I, I don't want specifics, but I, everybody everybody loves you, and then it's obvious why. Do you have any enemies in this town? <laughs> in this town? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm is sure anybody, I do. Is there anybody you know who just doesn't like you that I, you're like? If someone said, "Hey, listen, I need a I favor from this guy," you would say, "I can't call." I, <laughs> I don't know. Some people just don't pick up the phone for me, so I don't know. Well, that's that's the case with everybody. <laughs> Some people just don't pick up the phone at all if they know you really well. So, um, I mean, I'm far from perfect. Uh, I don't know. I try to be a good person. I, I don't know. I'm I'm extremely busy, you know, so I can't get to everything all the time. Right. Um, and I'm also an introvert and a very 
public kind of life. You're so. an intro. It's interesting. <laughs> you're an introvert, and yet you're sitting here, and yet you're on <laughs> Top Chef, and you were very comfortable. So the but, first time I met you, I thought it, that guy is really quiet, and it, I don't even know. It, I don't even know what we did an event with twenty two people yeah, at yeah. the Portland Food Adventures, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I walked away thinking, I don't know if he's going to be very comfortable <laughs> talking to twenty two people. <laughs> and then I see you on Top Chef talking to millions, <laughs> and so you got to be comfortable in doing what you're doing, yeah. working with in in politics and uh, yeah. and. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot to be like driven and passionate, and then at the same time, you know, honestly, you feel overwhelmed sometimes, and you know, just want to be like alone running in the woods. <laughs> so, so, so I and, do it all. So, and you'll be alone running in the woods. You do it. Um, last last question: What do you want to accomplish this year? Because we're early in 2019. We are. What, what do you want to? What do you see that you? What's your goal? Because you're a goal-oriented yeah, person. You I said. am a goal-oriented person, so I definitely I want to work on my cookbook because um, that it's a long process. I want to make it really fantastic. Uh, I don't know. I think I think I want to do less this year. I think I've done so much, and I've I'm definitely traveling less this year. Um, I don't think I'm leaving the country. I'm I'm not leaving the country at all um, until maybe um, later this fall. Um, So I I just want to be home. I want to be home more. I want to take care of myself more. I want to get back in shape. And I just want to, you know, just solidify departures, you know, the kind of iconic Portland dining destination that it is um, as we celebrate our 10th anniversary, you know. It gets tougher to do because yeah. Portland's about the next shiny new thing. Yeah, it's and true, so. it's true. And I think we can, you know, I think every year we've been, we've been able to push a dish or push a menu um, that has really, you know, stood out, you know. Um, we had tremendous success with our duck last year um, and updating that a little bit. and. You know, uh, summer is our funnest season because it's just so busy and the decks are open. Um, we have gardens, both hydroponic gardens in our basement and our rooftop gardens. So, um, you know, I think just working with my team and just being present and being in town, um, I'm just trying to have like a very simple, solid exciting year in Portland. I think that's a great goal. <laughs> uh, and I appreciate appreciate part of you being in Portland right now is yeah. that you came here. Yeah, so, of course. And you know, you talk about people not returning calls or emails. I asked you to come on the podcast after I read that. We've wanted you back okay. on. Okay. You were the first guest I called when the focus of the podcast became... Uh, let's talk to the people in the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started that in 2016, yeah. and you're the first guy I got. But when I emailed you to come on here, in a very short period of time, you yeah, were yeah. gracious enough to honestly. Say like yes. we've have prepped our whole calendar for the whole year, so like our schedule is done like through December. But obviously, you know, I want to do cool things with people in town. So, of course, I'm going to get you in, Chris. Okay. <laughs> it's my well, pleasure. It's my I, pleasure. So appreciate it. And yeah. we, we don't get, uh, every once in a while, I run yeah. into an event, and yeah. we say, how you doing? Yeah. And <laughs> we haven't talked that much. So this, yeah. uh, you're coming in, yeah. we get to know, I get to know you a little bit more, yeah. and so do a lot of, we hope a lot of people. So thanks so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX, or on Facebook at Right at the Fork, or online at Right at the fork.com.